Wind, Reality versus Myth today on Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world, this is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. This is Executive Director James Owen of Renew Missouri welcoming you back on the podcast today. Emily Piontek, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Great. You are our (laughs) research clerk. Also on the boards, Matt Patterson, as always. As always. How's it, how's it going? It's fine. Yeah, everything good over there? I don't know. It's acting, my computer's acting up, so yeah. Oh, okay. But it, it's going. <laughs> Thanks for the update. Right. Yeah. Um, we're here today because uh, we want to talk a little bit about wind. Um, we've talked about wind a lot, obviously. We have our renews, and we, uh, you know, it's just something that comes up when you talk about renewable energy. Um, but, like, one thing that, Emily, you have been working on quite a bit for us is you have been kind of looking at the public perception of wind. Uh, more importantly, from the perspective of people who, let's say, don't like it very much. Yeah, there's a lot of um, misconception, I think, about yeah. wind power. Um, and you hear kind of the same fears being articulated uh, around the country. Right. I mean, so like right now in Missouri, we are seeing more wind being developed, being produced. Uh, you know, one of the things that if you follow what we're talking about is that Ameren, Missouri uh, has this uh, pretty short-term plan to add about 750 megawatts of wind uh, to their capacity here in Missouri. That's going to be able to produce enough power to, you know, provide services for several hundred thousand, uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of their customers. Empire Electric, uh, which is now known as Liberty Utilities, uh, they've just got approval for 650 megawatts of wind, which can cover about 65% of their territory. KCPNL, uh, while they get a lot of their power from Kansas, a lot of that comes from wind. Uh, even the co-ops are building wind. And um, so it's, it's out there, it's prevalent, um, and you see it in northern Missouri particularly, but there is some development in the southwest Missouri as well. Um, but anytime you change anything, people tend to get nervous. Yeah, and I think um, with wind in particular, these turbines are usually um, developed in rural areas or you know far from cities, and so right. people aren't maybe used to seeing um, disruptions to the skylines or just um, yeah. a different kind of development because in those you, areas. You hear people so, say, like, well, you wouldn't like it if they built these in St. Louis or St. Charles, and my answer is, well, that wouldn't make any sense because... You can't really build them in the middle of a city. Right, yeah. There's a lot of safety precautions that have to be taken uh, yeah. when they're developed and setbacks and things like that. Yeah. Now, do you, uh, now you, have, uh, you have gone on to Facebook pages and this sort of thing. You've seen some of these people and what their concerns are, right? Yeah. I mean, there is it? Many. Seems like some of it's a little untethered. Is that safe to say? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are just afraid because they don't know um, what to expect. Right. And, and so with uncertainty and fear, there's a lot of speculation um, that seems to be popping up here and there. So. Yeah, like one thing I hear is like how unhealthy it is for you. Um, I hear people say, well, this will cause you migraines. They say that the, uh, 
they say that the shadow off of the spinning wind turbines can give you a headache. Yeah. Have you heard this? I have. And um, that's a phenomenon that um, people refer to as shadow flicker. And it shadow flicker. Yeah, it only occurs at certain times of the day when the sun hits a turbine <laughs> in a very specific way. Um, but the turbines can be sighted in such a way that that's minimized. Yeah. Um, Does it cause migraines though? Well, so the doctors, <laughs> the American Psychological Association, and numerous uh, other our friends at the Association, APA, yeah, have said that um, there's no evidence for physical harm to humans that's caused by turbines, um, by wind power. Um, and a lot of the fears, um, a lot of the these reported symptoms occur because people are expecting to have symptoms. So it's psychological. Um, psychosomatic, perhaps? Yeah, psychosomatic. That's the right word. Is that the right word? I think so. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor either. I'm not a member of the good. ADA. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then I also hear stuff like, well, it causes you to not be able to sleep. Have you, have you heard this? Yeah, I've heard that as well. And I think... Um, What's that about? So I think people are worried about... Oh, there's a lot of different reasons that people think they won't be able to sleep. Is it the lights? The lights, that, the, that's, that's a concern. Um, and turbines do have lights, um, which are required by the federal... Because they don't want planes flying Right, yeah. yeah so. Aviation <laughs> standards require them. Which and seems usually, like a good idea. Um, they can be timed in such a way that the... You know, it's a really minimal flash, and yeah. they're all flashing at the same time, so it's not like you have, like, lights going constantly. So that's a fear that people have expressed. Another is noise, um, the noise yeah. of the turbines keeping you up. But um, to put this in context, um, it's been re- they don't sound louder than a refrigerator, than your typical refrigerator, um, and they're much higher. The, ter- the rotors are so high in the air that you... Like, the sound is so far away, mm-hmm. and it's often even masked by the wind. So the sound keeping oh. you up at night. Um, so you're saying wind is louder than the turbines? Wind is often louder oh. than the turbines. Oh, so you yeah. don't think that's keeping people. Well, that's not keeping people. It might be, yeah, it might be the wind keeping people up, but Could the, we can't do anything about that. We might as well harness it. So, Matthew, <laughs> I believe you were sharing with me a conversation that uh, Mark Haim, who's a local activist here in Columbia, was talking about he went to Germany. And he went to one of these big wind farms, and he said he was right under one and couldn't hear it. Correct, yeah. And he actually asked one of the local anti-wind activists why that was. And they said you had to be further away. Correct, yeah. Now, I'm not in the APA, and I'm also not a physicist. So, I guess my question is, is that how sound works? Oh my goodness, well, you're asking the wrong person, because <laughs> I'm not a physicist either. Well, but I seem um, to think, like, if I were close to something noisy, I would be able to hear it. You would think so, but also I've heard. Don't um, overthink this, Emily. Right, I'm not. I'm just. Okay. I've, I've heard a lot of people. I was, I'm backing you up here. Um, I was recently at a meeting um, talking about wind development, and yes. some officials were saying that they had been out to wind turbines uh, near wind farms to try to judge whatever the noise was, and they hadn't been able to get more than like they were several hundred feet away, and they couldn't okay. hear the turbines operating. They couldn't right. hear the rotors, and in their exact words. Um, like, they couldn't hear the turbines because of the wind. The wind was so loud. Yeah. They couldn't hear anything. And I believe this was in Kansas and also northern Missouri, so. Right. So um, maybe the wind is keeping you up, but that's not the wind turbines. Yeah. Wind turbines yeah. don't create noise, I think. I mean, ultimately, they don't create any noise that's going to, like, keep you awake if you live right. several hundred feet right. away. Right, and it's also regulated. So the, the, wind turbines do have to operate within certain standards um, to keep the sound that they're making to a minimum, something that's reasonable and all of that so yeah i mean so i mean like ultimately it seems to me and then i mean this doesn't even like get into the fact let's just keep this all in perspective coal's not exactly healthy either 
No, um, it just so <laughs> happens that like, most of us, and I think a lot of people who are really opposed to wind development, don't live anywhere near coal plants, and so they're not even exposed to some of the most detrimental impacts of those, yeah. such as like a lot of particulate matter in the air. Um, What's that now? What kind of matter? Particulate. Okay, I think that's, that's the right word. No, I was just checking because <laughs> yeah. I don't listen. I just like when we start using multisyllabic words on here. I want to make sure. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, I just want to make sure people understand what we're saying. Okay. So yeah, no, thank you. So there's a yeah. lot of stuff in the air that can be breathed yeah, okay. in when you <laughs> live near a coal plant. Yeah, asthma. it causes higher rates of asthma. Exactly. And so. let's just point out that most of the people that live near coal plants are poor and often minorities. I mean, that's just and that is backed up by research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, minorities, minority children, are twice as likely to suffer from asthma. Yeah, um, in part due to coal plants. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, like, so let's just remember that it's always worth bearing repeating that. I mean, there's no real perfect way to make power, um, but there are better ways of doing it than others. <laughs> and, and I think coal, you know, if you're talking about like, well, and let's not even like get into nuclear. I mean, you know, who wants to have nuclear waste stored near their house? Anybody? Any takers? Anyone watch Chernobyl other than me? Did anyone watch that show Chernobyl? Yeah, and it was terrifying. Yeah, pretty horrifying, right? I have a turbine. Uh, I would rather I would rather have a turbine than be near Chernobyl. That's, that's safe to say. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's. And if you haven't watched it, I mean, truthfully, if you're if you're wanting to kind of look at like how how come sometimes the hubris of government gets in the way of like saving people's lives, this is kind of a little bit off topic, but that is a great show to watch. It's brilliantly done, and it deals with utility stuff too. So go watch it. If you can, there's a lot of hard stuff to stomach in there too, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. We're not doing like TV show reviews or anything. So, um, so yeah. So health. I, I mean, I think that ultimately a lot of people say that it's just people have the expectation they're going to be unhealthy, and so therefore they feel unhealthy, and that's kind of where a lot of this comes from, according to the experts. Yep. All right. So then the other thing is people will talk about like health and safety. I always hear a lot of people talk about birds. Is so, this? Are these bird killers? So, um, the impacts of turbines to birds are much less than people think that they are. Mm -hmm. I was doing um, some research about this earlier this week to try to find out where these fears originated. And in the 70s, um, there were some like high-profile bird kills by turbines, such as like condors and bald eagles being. When you say high-profile, were these famous birds? Or well, what they were endangered species. Oh, they were endangered. They were endangered okay. species. Um, so I thought know, it might have been Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> I would. It would be. Yeah. It'd be, Sorry. It'd be okay. Sad if he died too. Um, but uh, anyway, so th this um, that's kind of where this this. Um, problem with birds and turbines sort of originated, but a lot of, there have been many technological advances since that time to protect endangered species, um, such yeah. as condors and eagles. Um, turbines have to be sited according to federal, yeah. local, and state let's, environmental standards. Let's dive into that. These things don't operate in a vacuum. There are federal rules they have to follow from right. fish and wildlife, right? Yeah. And one thing I can tell you, with especially with the Ameren case and the Empire cases that we've dealt with, is that the Missouri Department of Conservation has been enormously engaged with this process and making sure that we go beyond what the federal regulations are. Um, and then, not to mention, that you've also got, in some cases, local zoning. Now, they don't necessarily deal with birds or bats or no, anything like that. No, but the turbines, you can't just put them anywhere. Right. So you have to pay attention to habitat. You have to pay attention to migratory pathways. Yeah. Um, 
for songbirds. Um, <laughs> and I, something I did want to mention is that um, turbines um, kill, are responsible, I suppose, for less than 0.02% of songbird deaths in the U.S. annually. That's a really small amount. Um, and there are much higher rates of um, bird mortality associated with all other power generating like, sources. Um, yeah. I found out that uh, fossil fuel plants kill 35 times more songbirds per year than um, wind is expected to songbirds, yeah. That's not like um, eagles and condors aren't considered no. songbirds. They don't like make pretty noises or anything. No, okay. but we Is have, that what a songbird is? I don't have know. I think so. Okay. We have technology in place. Or you can put it in place um, to sort of deter yeah. those endangered species. There's noises well. so there's, now. So there's a lot that can be done um, to protect birds from okay. the turbines. Yeah, let's um, let's dive into this a little bit too. Um, okay, so I think it's on average about 234,000 birds are killed by wind turbines a year. Okay, you say, okay, that sounds like a lot. Like five times that many are killed by skyscrapers. Like five times that are killed by cars. And then a billion uh, birds are killed by cats. Yeah, it's at, least a, it's at least a billion. I think it might yeah. even be more than that. Um, so if you are concerned about how many um, wind turbines uh, kill as far as uh, birds go, then you should look at your cat because they're way worse. Yeah. Think Come about inside. it. So, um, yeah. I mean, so, like, I'm not trying – and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to minimize the importance of this because I kind of made that Sam the Eagle joke just because when you said high-profile <laughs> birds, I was, I was really trying All to just be funny about that. Yeah. So, like, don't – don't make it sound like, oh, James hates birds, because I'm a big conservation guy, and I think that's important. But at the same time, I'm also trying to be realistic that, that this is a problem that is being addressed, that has been addressed. And I think that wind developers and utility companies are doing a lot to minimize this damage, because one, they have to, and two, I think they're taking extra steps to do that. Right. Um, and then just to emphasize that, um, other sources of power generation kill so many more birds than um, wind turbines do, and we have to have power, so we might as well transition to power that is renewable and that doesn't contribute to climate change um, like yeah. the fossil fuel industry does. Yeah, because I, I would seem to think that like if like the planet was getting hotter and getting warmer, that's also not good for birds either. Right. Fair enough. For any of us. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think that's right. I mean, like, look, I, I'm not saying don't be concerned about, about birds and bats, but just know <laughs> that is not, in my opinion, that should not be a big problem as far as like what we're doing with this stuff so um and i noticed you um you've been working on this and we've got a little like faq sheet that we're working on for a larger project that maybe we'll tease here a little bit uh you also have bats separate from birds yeah now, i kind of think of bats and birds as kind of being the same problem well the there's a distinction because well aside from the fact that they're two different species but birds are more what? likely to, yeah, surprise surprise um, <laughs> birds are more likely to actually they all fly collide. though right yeah they all fly okay. but birds are more likely to collide with a rotor um, or with the blade of a wind turbine than a bat is bats are um, subject to barotrauma um, which is um, yeah you're gonna explain that to me what is that yeah well so it's just like when the pressure changes around a turbine. Um, oh, so like barometric pressure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so the so there's a little bit of a, a distinction there. But again, just as with um, the siting of turbines and considerations for songbirds and other types of birds, um, you have all the same environmental protections and standards in place. You've got to follow the Endangered Species Act for your endangered bats. Um, there's technology that you can use to deter bats, things which... Um, 
disrupt their ability to echolocate, so uh-huh. you can guide them away from the dangerous areas. Those have been really successful in parts of Texas where there are a lot of endangered bat populations. Um, so that's a new technology. There's also operational things that um, turbine operators can do, such as curtail turbines in the evening when bats are um, most active. Mm-hmm. And then you can ramp up the turbines again, like later in the, I guess early in the morning when there's a lot of wind. Um, so there are things that you can do to um, yeah. mitigate the And they're doing, and people are doing that. Right. Okay. And then one other thing that I wanted to emphasize when we're talking about kind of this environmental yes. um, aspect of the turbines, yes. aside from climate change, is that oftentimes the turbines are sited on agricultural land, and um, agricultural land has already been disrupted. Habitats have been fragmented mm. um, or taken away. There's a lot of pesticide use. There's a lot of herbicide use. Um, I guess that doesn't, the pesticides matter a lot, I guess, for bats in particular. So if they're trying to eat bugs and things, bugs. Like, there may not be as right. many. Um, and so they're not necessarily going to, like, um, thrive in these areas anyway. So why don't we throw turbines into production as well mm-hmm. um, on this land, which is already not conservation land? You're saying we've already blown it. I've already destroyed it. So let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's put the turbines yeah. up. And you seem like your slogan is, why not? Yeah, maybe that uh. destroyed is a strong word. I didn't mean to say that. Though. It's in production for food. That's great. But in terms of bat habitat, it's not great. Okay. So there you go. We, won't, we won't put you in charge of messaging. Okay. Um, so another thing that I hear people talk about um, is they say, oh, my gosh, we're going to be bringing these wind turbines in from other places, and it's going to destroy our roads. Ah, uh, yes. Um, uh. So that... That is a concern that I've heard a lot, and yes, roads do often get damaged during construction, but... By big trucks and equipment, which, like, also, like, you know, farmers do that with, like, you know... Yeah, implement- but I mean, wind developers are usually required to repair the roads. Oh. You can set their contracts or ordinances that counties and cities can develop to require developers to do this. Some developers even just offer to do this because they know that it's a lot that's coming into the county and yeah. it's going to have an impact... Um, I think escrow accounts have been used to yeah, which uh, escrow means money. you put money in there and no one uses it until they decide they have to or not. Right. That's so what then, escrow is. So after the project has been completed, then you can take the money out and repair the roads, no cost to the county, um, and then yeah. you know it's construction jobs. I mean, we yeah, I mean jobs and things like that that are being um, these wind companies well. aren't bankrupting counties. No, no, because they, I mean, they need, they need the counties, they need the infrastructure. It's kind of a reciprocal relationship in yeah. many ways. I mean, yeah, that's always been a strange one to me because, I mean, ultimately, you know, if you, I mean, like there's a, I, mean, I think it's kind of a basic concept of the law is that if you cause damage to something, you have to pay for it. I mean, that's, yeah, and that's, that that's just like one of those basic things. Yeah, and these are things that. Like like we said, with the with the contracts or ordinances, you can make sure that developers are you know taking care of those concerns as well. Yeah, um, and so I yeah you know, I just I hear that and I see a lot of memes about that as well, and I just think to myself, huh, that seems like that just that there's no like situation a problem, that's that not a problem. Right, trying to make a problem. I but all, but people are also trying to make the argument that this is like super expensive, like wind isn't a good deal. That we're building this stuff, and the only people making money off of it are the people building it. I actually heard somebody say, like, they're not actually going to produce anything. They're just going to get the tax credits, which 
I, I would point out, like, there's a big thing about the tax credits here. They're called production tax credits, which means they won't get any money unless they're producing energy. Okay. I know. <laughs> Where's my soundboard? Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say we need we need a we need a soundboard to be like what? Also, it's it's an extremely lengthy process to develop a wind farm. Yeah, companies spend at least two to three, often even up to eight years, trying to develop one site. So that's a yeah. lot of um, time, effort, and company resources <laughs> to do nothing put into. Um, you know, just but people, sitting back and... But people believe this. Well, I'm glad that we can debunk that. Oh, uh, we debunked it. Okay, there problem solved. Yeah. Okay. And here's the other thing, too. Wind is really cheap to produce. I mean, like, one... All right, let's, let's compare this to coal, okay? So here in Missouri, we don't have any real active coal mines anymore. So all the coal that comes into coal power plants here gets shipped in on railroads from Wyoming. That's where they come from. That costs money. That's expensive. It's expensive to get it out of the ground. It's expensive to process it there. It's expensive to transport it there. Then you send it to this power plant, and then you have to go through all this super expensive operation and maintenance, or O&M, as we call it in the biz. And that costs money, too, because guess what? We have got a lot of regulations and a lot of requirements for power plants uh, that even though we are in a presidential administration that is, you know, it purports to be very anti-regulation. I mean, there are still basic regulations that are still in place. Which uh, should be in place. And should be in place. environmental and public health. Yeah. That That's a whole podcast. different podcast. That's yeah. a podcast for a different yeah. organization. You know, I, I, yeah, I mean, ultimately, all that costs a lot of money. And so when you're talking about wind just kind of blowing in and being able to be produced, that is easy compared to what I just described. Yeah, and wind isn't the only thing being subsidized by the federal government either. Coal plants are being subsidized. Nuclear plants are being subsidized. Everything gets subsidized by the government. All transportation is getting subsidized. <laughs> um, and the subsidies for wind go to constructing How about ethanol? Do we subsidize ethanol there, Emily? I don't know a lot about ethanol, but I would assume they do. do. Oh, good. Thank you, Matthew. I was um, really hoping my grad student was going to, like, nail that one, but it's okay. Corn growers like it. (laughs) Yeah, there's a reason why Joni Ernst and uh, Chuck Grassley really like their energy subsidies. Yeah. And they're pretty conservative, and they're from Iowa, but that's why. And they also have a lot of wind there, too. They like that as well. Okay, so... So as far as like the the Costco, we show that it's like I mean there's like a lot of data out there that shows it's cheaper. Yeah, and because once you have the plant built, that's where most of your expenses go. There's no fuel cost to run it. Right. Um, and then because the wind is a free renewable resource that just flows in, can sell yeah. the power for it's infinite cheap as well. Right. Yeah, as I always like uh, to quote my old economics professor Steve Mullins. We aren't squishing any more dinosaurs these days, so but we still have a lot of wind, right? So, I mean, that too is a uh, pretty easy one to debunk because mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of data on the marketplace that says, like, it's super cheap. I mean, literally, like, right now in Colorado, as an example, um, there, are, uh, there are rate cases going on out there where it shows that shutting down a coal plant, which is an expensive process, by the way, to shut that down, just because of the way bookkeeping and depreciation work. It's still cheaper to do that and go to wind and solar than to just continue doing coal for a period of time. So they've actually got like real cases out there that show that, which is pretty amazing when you think about it, when you think about how expensive it is to shut down a coal plant. 
Well, and they, they know, I was reading today that Empire was has announced that they're going to be shutting down mm, yeah. their, the, the Asbury plants. Plant, yeah. yeah, well, and I, I think that was something that, uh, well, was the subject of an article that Midwest Energy News did a couple weeks ago. It was in it was in Renews last week, folks. I was quoted in that article you were, where yeah. they were doing an integrated resource plan uh, that talks about what they're going to be doing for the next 20 years. Uh, we've talked about that on here. That's something that they're... Uh, required to do, they're required to file that. They're not required to follow it necessarily, but they're required to show that work. And Empire Electric, basically, in their uh, last IRP that just got filed, they said, well, we are going to be uh, slowly, not really even slowly, I think they're just going to be closing Asbury and they're going to be focusing more on their wind that they've already got approval for. They're going to be putting out more solar, they're going to be putting out more battery storage, and that's all pretty exciting. And they plan on, hopefully, by the end of 2022, to shut down the coal plant. Yeah. I mean, so we're not talking about, like, you know, you hear a lot of stuff about 2050, 2030. This is going to be in a couple of years. And one of the things I tried to emphasize uh, in the interview for that uh, article was Joplin. (laughs) Patterson, uh, Joplin, liberal, conservative, how would you describe Joplin as a political? To the right of Attila the Hun. Yeah, I was... (laughs) It is super Republican, super right down there. They're not doing this because they think it's awesome for the earth. (laughs) I think they just, they don't care. But what they do care about is that it's cheap. And like Kansas City and St. Louis, which pride themselves on being super liberal and super progressive, their utility companies aren't doing this. So folks, if you're living in any one of those hip, urbane cities... You need to know that you're getting your butt kicked by Joplin, which admittedly is kind of a weird little town. I love Joplin, but it's 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 a little funky. So okay, so yes, there. So Empire is working on that. Um, all right. <laughs> what are some of the other things that you hear when you're hanging out with these anti-wind, uh, uh, you know, Facebook people, Emily? All right, let's see what we covered. We covered bats, birds, health impacts. Roads. Roads. Cost. Cost. Those are the major ones. Those are the major ones. Those are the major ones. You know what a, one I learned today is that there are people who believe that there's gas emitted from these. That I haven't heard, so that's Th- a new one. That is a new one to me. Let me tell you something, folks. Wind farms don't. No, there's no <laughs> fuel cost associated yeah. with operating a turbine once it's constructed. Let me tell you yeah. something. I've been inside a wind turbine. I've climbed up one, and there's no gas coming out of it. I've seen it with my. I, I've I've watched it with my own eyes. I tell you, there's no gas coming out of it. But like, I think that came from. I think that uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., who was a big oh. environmental activist, he misspoke yeah. in a speech, and so they've grasped onto this and said, "Oh my gosh, gas is coming out of these things," and that has now been one of these things that's like on the internet. Don't believe you. I don't believe gas comes out of them. Slash, it doesn't, and you don't get cancer from them either. Uh, yeah. Well, um, no. And I think that one time our president, uh, Donald Trump, said that he believed that oh, the noise from wind tur- turbines caused cancer. Now, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he uh, mixed up two things: that uh, you know, wind farms create noise, and wind farms can create cancer. Actually, I don't think we talked about that, <laughs> but somehow he got that in his head. Now, let's, okay, so I know that there are, we have Republican supporters and there are Republicans who listen to this, but let me just offer what I think is a relatively benign critique of our president. Here it goes. Okay, I think a lot of his policies and feelings about things are driven by things that personally bother him. (laughs) I don't think they're driven by large-scale policy rationales. And one of the things that President Trump 
has a little bit of a uh, of an issue with is wind turbines because as we all know he owns golf courses and he owns golf courses in Scotland and there's one Scottish golf course that they were trying to build wind turbines off the coast of he didn't like it because he didn't like how it looked and he fought this and he lost and so I, if I were to venture to say why Donald Trump President Trump doesn't like wind farms I I would venture to say it's because of that Guess. It's a fair guess because he just generally doesn't like things that he doesn't like. And that seems to be what drives his policy. You can take issue with that. That's certainly fine. I don't think I'm being unfair with that assessment. So save your letters. Although what I would say is that if you, um, if you uh, have like other things that you've heard or you've gotten into conversations or arguments with people on something that we didn't touch on, why email me at james at renewmo.org and we'll open yes, our mailbag one of these days and we'll uh, answer uh, all of these questions that uh, you send us. Sound like, a, sound like a plan to you? Sounds like a good way not to prepare for a podcast is what it sounds like to me. I can just, like, you know, answer emails all Rely day. Rely on the crowd. That's right. So do that. And, I mean, the reason we're doing this, I mean, one of the things that um, we're looking at doing here is we're looking at you know, trying to do some outreach and do some education on wind. Because, I mean, one of the things that I have developed some concern about is that, yes, these anti-wind activists, there aren't very many of them. I think if you talk to most people, uh, they see the economic benefit of this. They see the environmental benefits of this. They like it. They think it's good. They think it's good for their community, where they're being built. They think it's good for their energy bills if they're not by there. But these uh, folks who are against this tend to be very vocal. And I tend to think that that gets listened to as opposed to people who don't talk to their city council members, their state lawmakers. Because that's something that is important for you all to know out there, too. Um, you can feel this way and you can have these same feelings that we have. But unless you're out there talking about it, it isn't going to, like, really land with anybody. I mean, like, you know, you can sit here and listen to us talk about these myths versus reality and be like, that's right, that's good. But we really hope that you're using this to go out there and make this case. Like, we think that's important. We think it's important for you to be equipped with knowledge. We are working on ways to do that. And uh, I think we've got some exciting things that might be happening here pretty soon. Keep an eye on your renews. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if you're getting this because you're listening to it on social media, you really should be on our email list, which means that this uh, this podcast uh, and our renews will land in your inbox on a weekly basis. Well, if that's not enough to get you to, you know, sign up for our email, then I don't know what is. Well, I've been trying to work on you. I don't think you get our uh, emails. Yeah, I do. I was trying to be funny. I was like, oh, that was going to be a joke. <laughs> I just <laughs> shot down your joke. Sorry. Wow. It's well, too late in the day for that. Way to, way to, way to, de- way to deflate <laughs> me here. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we want you to sign up. You go to renewmo.org. We're going through a fundraising drive right now, so you can donate there as well. Uh, we're doing pretty good on that, too, aren't we, Matthew? Yeah, keep those uh, donations coming in. It, Much appreciated. I mean, look, I mean, like, if you can write a $25 check, a $50 check, and you think, well, I mean, is that really going to help them? The answer is yes, it will, because a lot of people write those $25 and $50 checks, and that adds up. Uh, and um, it does. It does matter. We, it allows us to lobby for in the legislature. Yeah, because, okay, because that's, that's important, because we do receive some grant money. We receive a fair amount of grant money, but we can't use any of that in the legislature. 
because I signed something saying we don't use that money for lobbying because that's part of their rules too. So if you want us to continue working in Jefferson City and countering uh, some of this anti-wind stuff down there, because let me tell you something, folks, there's a lot of anti-wind rhetoric going on in the Capitol building. I know it's hard to believe that something insane would happen in Jefferson City, but it's true. Are you all shocked? Not one bit. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so we're really hoping that you can listen to this stuff and say, okay, well, this is something that's helpful. And so, like I said, if you have any other questions about this, reach out to us and we'll do that. Emily, anything else you'd like to add that's on your mind? No, I think I got it all. You feel like right you've, uh, you've got it all it off your chest to feel better? I got it all off my chest, yeah. Matthew, anything you would like to promote? Uh, no, just keep, uh, keep those donations coming in and uh, help us uh, hit our goal for this summer and fall fundraising. Yeah, uh, because part of that's going to be, you know, some of the stuff we've talked about. What I would say is just, okay, so August is going to seem a little St. Louis heavy because it just happened to do this way. But, like, next Thursday, starting at 5.30, we're going to be doing our Renew and Brew. Uh, we're going to be doing that at the uh, Shafley's Bottle Works on Southwest Boulevard in Maplewood. Our staff is going to be there. I'm just going to tell you something right now. I'm not going to be there. Don't take personal offense, I'm not there, but I've got to be at a conference uh, for work, so I just can't be there. But we'd love to have you there. Uh, we're working with Amron. Amron's going to be there talking about their renewable energy uh, project. So if you want to ask Amron questions, you should do that. So you can um, RSVP to that at info at renewmo.org, or you can email me at james at renewmo.org to do that. Then the following week, uh, we're going to be back in St. Louis. We're doing a CLE on property assessed clean energy districts, which we've had a podcast about. That's going to be from 4 to 5 at the Schnucks Pavilion in WashU. That's a new building. So if you want to see some of the new things that WashU's done, that'll give you a chance. That's $75. You can also watch that online. But we'll also be doing a happy hour after that at the Eclipse, which is on the loop. I think it's in the Moonrise Hotel. Mm, Um, Yeah, it's nice. It's a cool place. place. Yeah, and then uh, we're doing that same pace CLE in Jefferson City on August 27th because we had a fair amount of people who did not want to watch it by webinar who are in Missouri. So if you're in any of those places, do let us know. We will be doing Renew and Brews in Springfield, in Columbia. I think we're looking at doing an event in St. Joseph. And where's another place we go? Kansas City? Uh, We did some in Kansas City in April. So if you want us to do a Kansas City event, show up. I mean, I know we tout it as a fundraiser, but we don't turn anyone away for not bringing money. Or if you want to bring 10 bucks, like I said, all this stuff adds up. So don't be timid. And I know everyone's busy. And I know everyone says like, why'd you schedule it on the same time as this one thing? Well, folks, I don't know when everything in Kansas City is happening. There's like a million people that live there. I'm going to guess I'm not going to find a time when nothing else is going on. I'm sorry if you've ever said that because I know I get those emails and they're like, why did you schedule this one? Like something's going on. I can promise you it wasn't anything I did intentionally right correct yeah because we got to do these sometimes and there's always a conflict so i'm sorry so maybe we'll do one in kansas city maybe we'll wait till next year time will tell and time will tell me now that we're done (laughs) with renew gurus i'd like to thank all of you for listening uh you can subscribe to us on spotify and itunes and a Stitcher, maybe even. Uh, if you like what you hear, write a review. If you like what you hear, share this on your social media posts. And hey, thanks for listening, and have a pleasant tomorrow.